Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and this is the checkup. Hey there. I hope you have had a good week. Welcome to Friday. Uh, I'll tell you, I uh, I enjoy everything that we do. Uh, a recovery guy uh, movement, recoveryguy.org our podcasts, our blogs, the upcoming newsletter. Make sure you go and uh, uh, sign up. Um, uh, Pablo has set up a pretty slick uh, template for you to register for the newsletter. So go to recoveryguy.org, whether it's a, an iPhone, a tablet, uh, a laptop. Uh, Pablo has made sure it is uh, device-friendly. So go there and register for the, uh, the newsletter so we can make sure we get that out to you starting the second week in June. But uh, hey, we're, we're excited uh, to be involved in recovery and wellness. And no matter what you're recovering from or how long you have been in recovery, we hope that uh, this is a, um, a regular place for you, right? Uh, there's so many things. I don't listen to just one person. I don't read just one thing. I kind of, um, even as a Christian, I like to get a very eclectic approach to a real life support to some of the things that I'm trying to implement in my life and share with you. And you know, and that might even be one of the most exciting things that we as trainers, as life coaches, uh, one of the most exciting things we do, um, sharing our findings is the the teaching side of what we do and that's exciting especially when we see you grow um i've had a, a couple opportunities this week to to do our zoom meetings and excited encouraged by them and seeing people come back and share and people graduate out of particular programs and get reunified with their children and so that's always an exciting thing for us to see what we're sharing and putting upon you things that we've learned in our own experience as recovered people or things that we learn along the way uh, that you're gaining from and growing with um, but it's the learning it's the sharing it's the Coming up with a concept, an idea, a topic, and then and then doing the research necessary, uh, because you know what, none of us ever had an original idea, right? And if we thought we had an original idea, even that <laughs> wasn't an original idea. And so it's the learning, it's the it's the seeing how it fits for us, because unless it fits for us, unless we can own it. We're not going to be genuine in sharing it. So, so I stand in a long line of um, podcasters and life coaches that that say to you, what we're sharing with you, we're implementing, we're doing in our own way. How that translates to you, I hope it serves as a tool that you can use to either sharpen your saw or dig a deeper hole to 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 grasp more to get more footing for what you're trying to build to create a greater foundation so you can become more well one day at a time as we go through this journey which brings me to the topic of change stages of change if you listen to tuesday's podcast uh it's happiness doesn't just happen right it's it's a process we we go through it it does not happen through osmosis neither does change there are stages of change and and as i did some research 
on this. Uh, it was almost 20 years ago, actually even further now. I think it was probably like in the 90s, so we're probably even talking over 30 years, maybe 35 years, 36 years. Um, you can Google that yourself, but uh, you can pretty much find it. It's called the five stages of change. Um, two rather well-known um, alcoholism researchers, right? And you can apply this, what I'm going to share with you, to really any behavioral change you need. But uh, Dr. Uh, Carlo uh, Di Clemente and a J.O. Uh, Prochaska, they introduced this this five-stage model of change really to help professionals understand uh, their clients and people that they were working with, participants in their program with um, different addiction problems and how to motivate them to change. And, and uh, it's interesting that their model isn't really just based on abstract theories, but really on personal observation of how people went about modifying problem behaviors such as smoking, overeating, problem drinking, obviously drugs. This can apply to gambling, uh, bulimia, you name it. Any behavioral or substance-related change that needs to occur, they thought that these stages of change we're pretty consistent watching people walk down the lane uh, from from not thinking there's a problem at all to to having great success in overcoming uh, that challenge. So we're going to take a look at those things today because if nothing changes, then things stay the same, right? wasn't <laughs> Wasn't that brilliant? If nothing changes nothing changes, as my friend Scotty would say. And if nothing changes, some of us are going to die, period. Especially those of us who would become chronic in our, in our addiction. You know, drug addicts, they will, they will uh, die because of an, of an uh, isolated overdose. Um, alcoholics uh, over time will deplete their resources and cirrhosis of the liver and other types of things that will kill them more over time than they will like in an overdose instant like many drug addicts will experience. Uh, gamblers, you know, people who engage in behavior of where they lose everything, you know, in a, in a moment, in an instant, uh, have a tendency to be so depressed they either drink themselves to death or take a drug overdose or kill themselves, you know, uh, quite uh, painfully and, and, and tragically. So there's, there, there's different reasons that we need to break free and we need to begin to see that there needs a change to, to be made. Now, in this particular model we're going to look at, there's actually going to be six stages. There's a couple models that they came up with. Um, I um, they they call it the five stage model, but 
we're going to look at a six-stage model that, that they've done. I think it more completely helps us for the illustration of where I think we're at as a recovery community in this recovery movement. And don't worry about writing all these things down. Just absorb them and see how they fit. Go back to the podcast and you can copy down the description. I'll make sure that each one of these points are made. And then you can also Google um, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Prochaska or Dr. Uh, DiClemente and or just even just Google the five uh, uh, stages of change and you'll find much of the information. Um, I've sort of cut it down a little bit because this is actually a workshop that you could go all day or a couple day seminar and still have enough meat on the bone to satisfy the, the, the most um, deep thinker. So here we go. The six stages of the model are, and I'll walk through them and I'll come back and revisit them. The first one is what is called pre-contemplation. The next one is contemplation, determination, action, maintenance, and termination. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting, um, and and I'm going to add some of their um, material that how they describe these things, and then I'll add a little bit a bit um, about my thoughts regarding it. But for a full transcript of this, you're going to want to go check it out. If you're if you're a thinker like me and many many of us, if you're involved in wellness and recovery and working with others, uh, this is great information to help others go through the process as as we've gone through the process those of us who are recovered those of us who are well so what is what is pre-contemplation as uh, de clementi and prochaska would say they would say that it's individuals who are in this pre-contemplation stage of change they're not even thinking about changing nothing about their drinking behavior or other behavioral challenges they may not even see it as a problem or i remember this they think that others who point out the problem are exaggerating and therefore the problem wow man that when when i read something like that i had no idea it was called pre-contemplation i just thought it was get out of my life you don't know what you're talking about you know how many times have we said that you know what my problem isn't alcohol. My problem is you telling me my problem is alcohol. Or my problem isn't my gambling. My problem isn't this. My problem that I'm eating too much. My problem is you're, you're, you're getting in my space, right? You're, you're getting up in my face. You're telling me what to do. And that's the problem. It's not what I'm doing. It's that you're telling me what to do. And as soon as you stop telling me what to do, right? Just sort of like live and let live. Get out of my way. I'm not hurting anyone but me. The problem is you. The problem isn't me, you know? And then, of course, we know that it is. When we stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back. Thank you, Nietzsche. So we go from pre-contemplation to contemplation. This is really cool, and, and, and you're going to love the flow of this because I think no matter what need you come from, whether or not you you knew you were in these stages, we all travel through these stages. I think this is really brilliant. So we go from pre-contemplation to where it's you, it's not me, you're exaggerating my problem, to individuals in this stage, it says they're willing to consider the possibility that they have a problem. And the possi possibility offers hope for change. 
However, people who are contemplating change are often highly ambivalent. They're on the fence. Contemplation is not a commitment, and it's not a decision to change. You know, I think of um, uh, Dr. Paul and, and um, Dr. Alcoholic Addict, and, and he said, um, I'm paraphrasing here, it's, it's maybe I really am an alcoholic of sorts. He was starting to consider, maybe I have a problem. And that's, and, uh, and that's the stage that this is in. Willing to consider, <clears throat> excuse me, willing to consider, maybe, maybe there's something to this thing. Again, it's, it's not a, a commitment, but it's opening the door. It's going from, you're the problem to maybe I need to look at this. Stage two. Stage three is um, is almost like you could call it pre-action. Not reaction, but pre-action. Kind of gives you an idea what the next step is, right? <laughs> so determination, I dig this. Deciding to stop drinking, and I'm reading from, from what I found in the information, deciding to stop drinking is the hallmark of this stage of change. It's what it's known by. It's where the stake is driven down. Deciding to stop drinking, all the weighing of pros and cons, all the risk-reward analysis finally tips the behavior in favor of change. Not all ambivalence or, or indecision has been resolved, but ambivalence or something that's going to get in the way no longer represents an insurmountable barrier to change. Isn't that good? Determination says something needs to change. I remember, and I've shared this with you before, if you've listened to my podcast before, I've told this story more than once. I stood in the mirror in February of 1986, and the voices were no longer there that were telling me, what am I doing with my life? All the voices, the madness was quieted, and I looked in the mirror, and I realized I was going to die. Something needed to change. And as it says here, finally tips the balance in favor of change. And I knew in that moment, more than any other time, I was going to die. I wasn't going to lose my marriage, wasn't going to lose my house, wasn't going to lose my kids, wasn't going to lose my job, wasn't going to lose respect to friends. I was going to die. I went from this is your fault to maybe I have a problem to maybe I better do something about it. Have you, have you ever got there? What stage are you in, right? Are you considering recovery are you toying with maybe I should do this and maybe I should do that? And this is really, you know, I want to point this out because I was sharing uh, earlier this week with one of the participants at Annie's house where I usually go there, but now we're doing Zoom meetings, of course, with the coronavirus. And, you know, prayerfully soon these treatment centers will open back up and we who go serve in that community can get back there. Uh, and if you're not serving in that community and you want something worthwhile, 
go into a residential treatment center and share the love and the joy and the recovery that you've been given. Uh, the, the response and gratitude is overwhelming, um, and I invite you to do it. Um, and so I was, I was telling uh, this person the other night, I was saying, you know, when we come in here, uh, we have so much baggage, right? We, we have to go and we have to isolate what's doing the most harm, what's killing us the most. Go through that first, attack that first, get rid of that first, and sort of minimize the damage that's being done. And then little by little, you know, as, as I've shared, being bulimic, uh, I was throwing up 18 months into my recovery. 18 months in my alcohol and drug-free life, I was still throwing up. And, and I had to use these same steps along the way. So, you know, the, the great thing about life in this journey, you know, we, we all get to a point of determination of other things we need to remove them from our life. So the great thing about this is when we recover from one thing, we can use this same six stages of change, these stages of change to, to adapt or adopt into other areas of our life. The next one, I like this, it's called action. So we go from pre-contemplation, this is not my problem, you're my problem. Contemplation, maybe I do have a problem. Determination, I need to do something about the problem. And then actions, individuals in this stage put their plan into action. It says here that this stage typically involves making some form of public commitment to stop drinking in order to get external confirmation of the plan and i'll even add accountability right we are we are we are making something known <laughs> trust me when i tell you others know right <laughs> they're seeing our life crumble around us they know but there's something magical about saying i know you know and i just want you to know that i know as well what a wonderful thing to do. You know, so often, I know it sounds very simplistic, but it's very true. We are only as sick as our secrets. That is so true. The power that secrets have over me is amazing. It will, it's, it's its own self-bondage. I take, when I speak something, I take the power of it away because, you know, when I speak it, and, and I think it's the power of the 12-step group, the power of unity, right? Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. There's something magical about walking into a self-help group, or a church, a synagogue, a temple, and, and, and saying, I need help. I have this problem. I have this challenge. And and. When we have that courage, when we take that kind of action, so often even people who aren't addicted but who love us can say, I'm so glad you said something. Let me help you get help. Or we go into the room, we're taking action, we're going to a meeting, we're going to into treatment, we're doing something, and all of a sudden someone else raises their hand and say, I can relate, I know what you're talking about, I've been through that, I'm going through that, I've gone through that, and all of a sudden the embarrassment of what we had become 
decreases and our and our power and our energy and our hope increases. I love this stage into action. Actually, there's a chapter in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, chapter six, after how it works is into action. We need to take that determination and translate it into doing something because determination is just a thought. Determining something in my mind does not mean I'm doing something about it. You know, I love the example of just going, <laughs> Father Martin says that, you know, just going and getting and, and recognizing that I do have a cavity doesn't fix the cavity. Now, action needs to be taken upon that cavity to restore that tooth, right, to get restoration, and that's what action does. We begin that process of wellness. We begin that process of doing what we need to do to stop being what we have become. The next one is really pretty cool. Uh, it's one of my favorite words, and it's maintenance, right? And as the, the authors of this say, the, the action stage normally takes three to six months to complete it. And this is wonderful that, that we're even saying this because I actually said this the other night. I said, these things will take about six months to, to get out of our system, to start getting um, synapses firing again and neurotransmitters traveling and everything starts to balance itself almost like a stroke victim that needs physical therapy. It takes time to work these things out. Change requires building a new pattern of behavior over time. Here is where time, and I've said it before, time is our best friend. It really is. Because we didn't get sick overnight, and we don't get well overnight. So change requires building a new pattern of behavior over time. Let us learn. Let us grow. Let's. As a, and, and what about Bob, right? Baby stepping this thing. I've never seen a child who went from the crib to running. There's a process. Even when we're getting back in physical shape, as I was morbidly obese and could hardly walk upstairs, now I'm able to walk. I don't run too much because I have two artificial knees, but I can do things because along the way I built up the stamina to, to do this, and that's what time does in this maintenance stage. It says here the real test of change is long-term sustained change over many years. Don't you like that? The real test of change is long-term sustained change over many years, like me over 34 years of continual recovery. And the great thing is, I'm still in the maintenance program. You know, if you're very familiar with 12-step program, steps 10, 11, and 12 are called the maintenance steps. You know, in step 10, we're continuing to take personal inventory. In step 11, we're seeking through prayer and meditation. And step 12 is we're going and, and helping others as a result of our spiritual awakening, right? the spiritual transformation that occurs, we're always involved in those maintenance steps, right? I no longer need to do steps one through nine unless I'm working with a newcomer or coaching someone. 
uh, and then I do them with them for them, but I do steps 10, 11, and 12 for me, right? Even with my truck, I would never consider driving my truck without paying attention to see what needs to be maintained. Does the oil need change? Do the tires need to be rotated? What do I need to do here? Do I hear a sound there? What do I need to do to maintain because I want to maintain the integrity, the stability of my vehicle? And guess what I am? I am a vehicle for this life. I need to continually be involved in the maintenance, the change that allows me to keep what I have and evolve into something more. And I like what they said, this stage of successful change, I like successful change, not just change, right? Because not all change is good change. Good change is good change, right? The successful change is called maintenance. I love that. And then finally, in the sixth stage here, it's called termination. I, I thought this was very interesting. Termination. But it makes sense once I read it, and I, and I hope I explain it so it, it makes sense to you as well. The ultimate goal in the change process is termination. At this stage, they're talking about alcoholics, but it's for everyone. At this stage, the alcoholic no longer finds that alcohol presents a temptation or a threat. I like that. He has complete confidence that he can cope without fear of relapse. This is where 100% being committed to 100% abstinence comes into play. We need to understand when we understand how far down the scale we had gone, as it says in AA, that alcohol no longer has a role for us in our life, but we can live without fear. We live without fear because I was telling my friend Wendy, you know, we no longer wait for the other shoe to drop, and by the way, there's no longer another shoe. The big book says that we will recoil. When tempted, we will recoil as if from a hot flame. You wouldn't go put your hand over a fire, I hope you wouldn't, to, to tease yourself to see if you won't get burnt because guess what? You're going to get burnt. It's going to do damage. And so we know that we, as long as we keep our hand off the fire, right? In the doctor's opinion of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says, we're now easily able to control our desire for alcohol. The only requirement necessary is to follow a few simple rules. Well, understand what the rules are. Know what the rules are. And once we understand what those rules are, then we can be in that termination stage. Again, the ultimate goal in the process is termination. We no longer find that alcohol presents a temptation or a threat. You know why? We're not suicidal anymore. We're not homicidal anymore. We don't want to kill someone and that someone isn't us. So we don't engage in that destructive behavior anymore. And because we know that that behavior is destructive, we stay away from it, right? I, um, I have weapons. I'm a concealed carrier of handguns. I, I know what they do. I know that, that a handgun, a weapon in the hands of an untrained, unskilled, or, or, or not thinking, right thinking person causes has the potential to cause great harm, including kill someone. So understanding that, 
I can I can carry my weapon with me without harming you or myself. The same with with alcohol. I think one of the one of the greatest gifts to me in my recovery was being a food server in Las Vegas. And when I became employable again, I became a graveyard coffee shop waiter at Fitzgerald's on Fremont Street downtown, right across the street from the Four Queens. I was a graveyard coffee shop waiter. I went from the from the top floor, the 29th floor of the Las Vegas Hilton, where I worked in room service and hospitality suites, to a graveyard coffee shop waiter at Fitzgerald's. Talk about a bottom. Hello. So so here I was doing this, and, and I had to learn how to be in that termination phase where, where I could be around it and not have the temptation to, to kill myself or destroy myself. That's what this termination phase is talking about. Now, I'm not saying if you're precarious and you're not comfortable with being around certain things, that's fine. Don't, don't tempt God. Don't tempt your higher power, right? But in that termination phase, we can see what it was done and alcohol no longer presents a threat to us. Remember, we suffer with a mental obsession coupled with a physical allergy. My physical allergy will always exist because I am Robert and I am alcoholic. That physical allergy will always be there. So what do I do though? What do I help? What do I what do I find a process for? What do I what do I change, right? We we recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. That mind tells me that mental obsession says that I can have one or I need to have one, and that triggers the physical allergy. Well, if the physical allergy is stamped in my DNA, I know nothing can be done about that. What can be done? Well, the mental obsession can change. And understanding the stages of change and knowing what I need to do through each phase of that change when I get to termination, actually when I get to maintenance and I begin implementing the things necessary that removes that threat, that desire, where I will recoil if I'm tempted as if from a hot flame, or I'm easily able to control my desire because I've diverted the attention somewhere else, right? Nothing happens in a vacuum. We did not get sick overnight, and again, we do not get well overnight. Wellness is a process, so I hope you engage in the process. I hope you go back and, and look at these points from the description of the podcast. I hope you go back and Google um, Dr. Pochaska and, and the stages of change or Dr. DiClemente and these stages of change and do a little bit deeper homework. I think you'll, you'll find it fascinating. And I really do hope you engage in this process of recovery. Once you have reached termination, I hope you continue in the maintenance to stay changed. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I want you to go to recoveryguy.org. I want you to sign up for the newsletter. I want you to check out the blogs, look back at the history of the podcast, register, share, become a part of this movement, reach out to me, let me know what I can do to help your recovery journey even be more positive. And as always, my name is Robert, and I am the Recovery Guy.